0: C, G, M. Does the M stand for Murgatroyd and CGM?
1: Probably. Continuous <laughs> glucose Murgatroyd.
0: Continuous glucose Murgatroyd. Okay. So I'm going to set the tone on this one. My wife, Kimberly, and I are always, uh, in some ways, laboratory rats. We're always trying to find a hack, uh, you know, a, a biohack, a, a something that we can do to shortcut. And be, you know, fitter, skinnier, healthier, happier, and et cetera. Live longer. So we have been down the road of, you know, whoop and uh, God, we've had so many of them, uh, all kinds of different things. And the most recent one that we did, and this is a redo uh, for those of you long-term listeners of the show, you know that we've been here before. There's something called a CGM, which is a continuous glucose monitor. And basically it's, it sounds sort of barbaric, but basically what it is, is you're sticking a probe or a small needle that is attached to a sensor and you're just snapping it into your arm and putting some, a bandaid over it. And it's tied to an app. The company is called Levels. And what it does is when you eat, it measures how much your sugar rises, your glucose particularly, over the course of two hours. So, you know, you eat eat a uh, uh, a, a chocolate cake and the thing breaks, right? Because it goes through the roof. You eat, you know, some grilled tuna and it stays flat. So as we're going through this, we decided, you know, we're in Italy, we're eating so much pasta. Let's, give this thing a try and let's see how we react to it. And what was interesting about how we reacted to it was we had very, very different reactions. I would go out and eat uh, the same, I would go out and eat the same pasta that Kim would eat. And I would be going through the roof, which would piss me off. And Kim would show me her response and it was exactly the same. It was was, um, stable. It was exactly the opposite. Sorry. It was completely stable. So we went through this little game over the course of probably two weeks where every day I was eating something and I could eat the pasta, but if I eat the pasta, I had to make sure.
1: I I don't want you to get to any of the results yet of Mm -hmm. what we did because people have been following this and I want to give a bit more backstory than what you just gave. So... Like he said, we did this before. So, we had data from being in the US, uh, in California. We had done it for a month in California, and we had a lot of data of what we could do to minimize or lower our glucose. We had average glucose numbers, we had sleep numbers, all the things. And then when we came here, we see what the Italians are eating. So, let's go through, Rob, real quick, a, a day of what an Italian eats because. I have to tell you, being an American who has been conditioned that carbohydrates like pasta, bread, pizza, and sweets, and all of this are horrible for you. It's the culprit. It's why America is so overweight and obese and and yada, yada, yada. Like literally carbohydrates have been vilified in the last 20 years. And we come here to the land of fricking carbohydrates and we see what they're eating. Okay. So we started to not just watch what Italians ate, but I I literally started to like interrogate any Italian that I could find, whether it was a waiter, a friend or whoever on what they truly, truly ate, because I didn't believe it. I really didn't believe it. So We started out with breakfast. So Rob, what do the Italians eat for breakfast? Pastries. Yeah, they eat a Coronetto, which is basically a croissant, but a little less buttery. Uh, Sometimes it's stuffed with marmalade. Sometimes it's stuffed with prosciutto and they have a coffee. And then a couple hours later, we've heard they go back for another Coronetto and some more coffee. And then they have lunch. And lunch initially was very tricky because we saw them eating pasta. And when you go to a a restaurant for lunch, a lot of the restaurants will have a set menu. They have an antipasta, a primi piatti, which is your first plate, and then a second plate. The primi piatti is usually pasta, and then the secondi is usually a meat or a fish. So now you have an antipasta, which is like an appetizer, a, a plate of pasta, and then a meat or a fish. And this is lunch. And initially we were like, oh, they're eating all three. Then through talking to a lot of Italians, we learned that they're typically sharing an antipasta and a a pasta and like a main plate with whoever they're with. So sometimes they eat it all on their own, but sometimes they share. If they are eating it all on their own, they also know when to say when to stop. They know when they've had enough. And, you know, typically Americans just scarf it down. I know I do at least. But they will be okay with leaving some food on their plate. So that's lunch. So we have, so far we're two Coronettos, about 10 coffees, and <laughs> an antipasta, a primi piatti of of pasta and a secondi uh, into the day. Not to mention they have wine at lunch. No one judges it they have wine. If they're working, they go out to lunch, they have wine. There's no judgment around having wine. So they do. In the afternoon, they got off work. What do they do? The aperitivo. They go to the aperitivo. It's like happy hour. You order a drink, a Negroni, a spritz, a glass of wine, and all of a sudden a plate of food comes out with it. It's free, it's complimentary, and it's delicious, but it could be a a tiny sandwich. It's like three or four bites of something. And they use that, they say, to prime the system for dinner. So this is their priming of the system. Then they go to dinner. By the way, it's not until eight or nine p.m. And they go to dinner and now it's on. Now they have the antipasti, they have Again the primi, which is pasta or risotto, and then they have the secondi, the meat or the fish. Now they're gonna add a dolce on the end of that. They're gonna add dessert, and then they're gonna add a digestive. This is how they eat. I I, I know I am going to have people email and text me. This is, I'm Italian, and this is not how my family eats. There's always outliers, but I've asked nine million Italians, and this is the general guideline of of which let they me, eat let during the Let me let me day. jump in
0: here. If you're if you're listening and saying you're Italian and your family doesn't do this, are you Italian and living in Italy? Because if you're Italian and not living in Italy, then you can't talk because you're an American Italian. And that's and totally different. And I don't care if you were. Uh, your parents were born in Rome.
1: It's still different.
0: If you're living in America, you are eating a Western or, or diet. Western diet. Yep. If you're living in Australia, Canada, whatever, you are you are eating a completely different diet. And chances are, you're not eating uh, the same way. So if you if you see yourself not doing it, I think you have to say, "I don't live in Italy."
1: Right. So then I, I so I'm getting this data. and I'm like, "Holy crap! Like this is crazy how they eat." And how is this not affecting them? Because I'm looking around, people are thin, people are seemingly healthy. They're not like old and broken down, they're like old and moving, you know? And so I started doing some research. Obviously one of the blue zones is in Italy, it's in Sardinia where that people have lived in to 120 years old. I think, Rob, you said someone died not 120, recently. 122. At 122. So that's that's not the entire country, but I did look at longevity in the country. It's huge. Italy ranks 10th in the world for longevity. For comparison, the US ranks 42nd, okay, for that. I did more research. Italy ranks, let's see... In obesity, let's talk about obesity. The US ranks 12th in the world in obesity. Rob, you don't even know the stat yet because I I was looking it up today. Mm. Where do you think Italy ranks in obesity? It's prosciutto, it's cheese, it's pasta, it's pizza. Well,
0: I'm confused because when you say that diet, it makes me think one thing, but what my eyeballs see around me is something completely different. So I'm gonna say they are 40th.
1: 106th in the world oh in obesity. My God. Okay. How about type two diabetes?
0: Oh, that's a great one. How? Uh, I don't even know. Because
1: so. because every book you're reading, if you have if you have carbohydrates, you're going to have type two diabetes, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. So America ranks 43rd in the world, which I thought was pretty good. Italy ranks 151
0: in have, the world. They just don't even have for it for type
1: two diabetes.
0: Holy shit.
1: So. We started asking why, right? So we stick this- What is the most obese country? Oh, it's a lot of like- Samoa. I was going to say, it's, it's, like, it's one of
0: those blubber countries, right? would not like, say that. That's no, 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 no. I don't mean blubber. I mean like literally blubber where they eat blubber.
1: Probably. I yeah. mean, I think, yeah, it's, it's a lot of are those. You, are
0: you afraid I'm going to offend a Samoan? Do please. you think we have a big Samoan Samoan, Samoan it, it, audience right now?
1: It could. Well, not anymore. <laughs> um, so, you know, the, the numbers don't lie. And for me, and this isn't about like bashing America, but what the heck is wrong with the Western diet that it's created this this fear of eating a carbohydrate or a a pizza? And yet, like we are the most diet-obsessed culture in the world, and we're not doing really well in, in statistics, right? And then you have Italy where they eat basically anything they want, and they're fine. So it's it really got us thinking. So we decided to put the CGM back in our arm just to test it as one metric. Now, look, there are a lot, a lot of reasons that Italy doesn't have the disease and the, the has better longevity. And a lot of Europe, uh, you know, falls into this category. But the food here is, mo- for most part already organic. They don't really need to stamp it organic because it's how they do it. They turn their soils over properly so they're naturally mineralized, whereas American farms... Are based on profit, so they turn them over quickly and they don't really have a chance to remineralize. So, our food, what's in the actual tomato? You know, a lot of people are like, if you just eat whole foods, you'll be fine. That's not true because a whole, you know, spinach in Italy and spinach in America are very different nutritionally, right? Mm. So there's that. There's the fact that Italy doesn't have the toxins allowed in foods that America does. A lot of Europe bans, a lot of dyes and stuff like that. They're just not commonly used. And of course there's lifestyle, right? Uh, The Italians here, having a car in a city is annoying and difficult and expensive. So most people walk or ride the bike. So obviously lifestyle plays a factor too. But as Americans that just moved here, and we're starting to really assimilate into the Italian diet and the Italian lifestyle, we wanted to see biometrically with the CGM, just tracking glucose, what that would do. And so as Rob was saying, we strapped it on. The first thing that we noticed is we are very different. We we knew this though in California, I would have Ezekiel and an egg and some avocado for breakfast. I'd give Rob the same breakfast. And I would stay completely stable and you would spike through the roof. So we already knew that the two of us were really different. But
0: And the irony is that I have like absolutely no hypoglycemia and you you do.
1: I have nocturnal hypoglycemia apparently. So,
0: so you you have <laughs> you really have low low blood sugar which does not rise that much when introduced to um you know carbs and I do.
1: Well, but that's not fair because when we were in California, do you remember my blood sugar was always around 100? Mm. And do you remember I I was like, am I diabetic? Like what's happening? And-
0: Mm, I remember remember that. that. Oh my God, I do remember that.
1: My average blood sugar in America was 98 to 100. Yeah, we
0: were were like convinced that you had diabetes. We
1: did, we were. And then we, of course I didn't, but then here, guess what my average blood sugar is? probably 80 84
0: it's interesting and
1: i'm eating all the things so what i what i really wanted to look at is one you know are there things that the italians are doing innately that are passed down from generation to generation that are minimizing the effect of glucose on the body because Glucose in the body is going to react, you know, like whether you're Italian or you're not, or, you know, you're going to have this glucose reaction to foods. And and in America, for sure, insulin resistance is kind of going through the roof. And a lot of people are dealing with diabetes, pre-diabetes. Now they're calling dementia type three diabetes. And there's a lot of that. And so eating the foods here, you would think because they're all that carb basic food You would think that, but I started looking and reading about um, the history of Italian cuisine, and I started examining how they're eating and how it's affecting. I still haven't figured out the Coronetto, so we're just going to have to put the Coronetto, the breakfast, to the side because I haven't figured that one out. But as far as the dinners and the antipasti to the primi piatti, so you go with the appetizer to the pasta to the meat, and the appetizer is often meat and fat-based. It's like a burrata or a mozzarella cheese with prosciutto and ham or liver or some food along that line is typically what you're getting in an antipasti plate or um, mushrooms. Maybe it's a vegetable, a a seasonal vegetable or a tartare is is common here. So you're getting that kind of antipasti. And, And we're speaking specifically about Tuscany because every region here, has a different food uh, type, you know, they, have, they offer different things. So we're pretty much speaking of Tuscany. So that's what's on plate. So what we know from checking our CGM is if we have fat and protein first, we typically do better in responding in our body, responding to whatever we ate. So by having that burrata or prosciutto first has helped. The other thing that helps is wine. Wine actually lowers glucose temporarily. Now, if you have too much, it can spike it later at night. But for the most part, it helps to a moderate amount of wine has shown us to keep our blood sugar down. So they have wine. So those two factors, the pasta. Now I did some research on pasta and pasta, one handmade pasta has a a much lesser glucose response. You experienced this, right? When you had that hand-rolled peachy pasta.
0: Yeah, versus the store-bought stuff versus, or, or, or the or the manufactured stuff.
1: Versus the manufactured stuff. That was the fresher the pasta, the better. Um, also what was on the pasta. So if you had a pasta with a ragu with like a meat sauce, that did better for you than if you had it with like a pomodoro sauce which is just tomatoes, which might have a bit more sugar in it and not balance it out. So that helped. Um, What else? We had, oh, and then you go to the meat or the fish and that meat or the fish primes you for the dessert. So the way you look at it is the dessert, the one that's like the worst for you is all the way at the end. So your body has been primed for that dessert by the time it gets here.
0: We tried different tricks. We tried like taking um, a couple of tablespoons of olive oil prior to eating. And there's a big difference between eating um, something with olive oil or maybe a handful of nuts and not. So,
1: So that's a huge one, okay? And I wanna highlight this because This is a thing I shared on my social media that we found that one trick that has by far beat out everything else we did. And by everything else we did, I mean having fatter protein or vegetables at the beginning of the meal, Um, those help, but they don't do the same thing that olive oil did. Same with apple cider vinegar, we, when we were in California, we used apple cider vinegar before we had sushi, and it would definitely help tamper that glucose response or that response to the glucose um, from the rice and all of that. So those things definitely helped, but nothing at all helped like olive oil. So I did some digging on that, and it's not shocking. If you just Google olive oil and diabetes, you will see nine gazillion studies about how olive oil naturally keeps blood sugar stable. And I started to, we started to identify this. So we were literally like, we're, we're going to the pizzeria and Rob is asking the guy for a spoon and a bottle of olive oil before we eat the pizza because he's so wanting to test this theory. But what we started to notice is every time we ordered food, olive oil was placed on our table. So if we had... Uh, an anti plate with burrata, olive oil was put on the table. We never knew why, but I started to really look around and watch how the Italians ate and they pour olive oil on Everything. They pour it on the burrata. They pour it if they happen. By the way, salads are not a big thing here. You're going to get some lettuce in a bowl and it's going to be, it's not going to be an appetizer. It's going to be with your main and it's a side dish. And it's meal salads are not a thing here. So the salad part of it is out. But uh, the olive oil, because that's what I was so used to. Like in America, they bring the oil and the vinegar when you're about to have a salad, but they don't bring it any other time. They bring it for your antipasta plate if you're having something like a burrata. And then Italians get a bowl of pasta. What do they do? Olive oil. They pour olive oil all over it. They get a meat. What do they do? Olive oil. Olive oil. And so I started to see this theme in that. And then if I think about some of the desserts, like some of my favorite desserts that I make, Rob, what about that carrot cake that I make? Olive oil. Olive oil. It's an olive oil carrot cake. So just culturally, they have seen that the amount of olive oil they use is bordering on absurd, on everything. And for me, I think this is the biggest factor on why they're able to keep their blood sugar so stable between the walking and the olive oil. I feel like they don't have much of a rise at all in their blood sugar.
0: All right, so now we're gonna switch gears. We're gonna move out of um, what's worked and we're gonna talk about um, the actual metrics of things. So w- I've we've determined um, that these devices will drive you fucking crazy if you're um, the type of person who can be driven crazy by this. And I am one of those people because- I want to win the game. And so when I was wearing whoop and I woke up in the morning and whoop sort of like told me that my sleep sucked last night, I started my day really shitty because I had apparently not won the game of sleep. And I need- Even
1: if you woke up and you felt great.
0: Even if I woke up and it felt great. And the same thing was starting to happen. and I didn't notice it until Kim called it out. That I was going out. We, when we first got here, we were going out to dinner, not worrying about anything. And we're like, we're just going to eat whatever we want and just not obsess about it. And we did and didn't gain any weight, felt, felt great. In fact, um, people would message me, they'd say, Hey, I'm seeing you eat food uh, all over, all, all over place, all over the place. And it looks like you're actually losing weight. And I, I don't weigh myself, so I don't know whether or not I did or not. But the point is that I didn't care and I just had what I wanted to have. And then we decided to do this CGM thing. And there were certain dishes that I had reactions to, as Kim mentioned, and there were other dishes that I didn't. And trying to solve this puzzle became very overwhelming. So for example, I would, you know, go out to dinner and say, well, I need to make sure I do this first and that first and then eat this before that, because if I don't do that and it became quite restrictive and instead of going out and enjoying uh, the conversation and enjoying new food and and eating what you want, keeping your cortisol levels uh, good, I stressed. And because I stressed about it, I raised cortisol levels and I wound up with a different problem. So for we we had just put the CGM in uh, two days ago. And then um, w- we had this realization. And I said to Kim, you know what? Fuck it. Like, take this thing out of my arm. And I had just bought more. And I was like, okay, well, we're gonna go all in. I'm just gonna keep this in my arm and I'm gonna learn. And I came back, took it out of my arm. Kim came back, said, I just did the same thing. I took it out. Here's what I would caution you. If you're thinking of getting levels and you're doing the CGM, I think it's extremely useful for you to understand that eating a certain diet is going to give you certain results. But I think that if you're too tied to what your, in this case, glucose does at every sitting, you're going to drive yourself crazy. So it's better to have some principles that you follow, maybe, you know, I have some olive oil before this, or, you know, I have some protein and whatever before that, but not get caught. You know, it's kind of like if you buy a stock, right? You're not gonna gonna look at what, if you bought IBM, you're not gonna look at the day-to-day operations of what IBM did today. It's up today, it's down today. There's good news, there's bad news. Quarterly earnings are bad, and you're gonna drive yourself crazy. Now I'm gonna buy it, now I'm gonna sell it, it's going down. You don't do that. You have a overall view, I believe in the company, um, it's got you know great great principles, and I, I'm in this for the long term. So you know, at the end of the year, um, I, I believe that even with all the ups and downs, uh, it will trend up, and that's why I'm buying it. And I think that's what you have to do here with this, because there are other factors, and we won't go into it today. But there are many many other factors that affect your vitality. Some of it is just how you feel going through life. Some of it is how the person who crafted the food was feeling when they craft, where the food was grown and how healthy, like there's a thousand things that are related to it.
1: Right, like we talk about mindset a lot and manifestation. What do you think it does if someone plops a pizza down in front of you and your first thought is this is gonna make me fat or I can't eat this because I XYZ. Like- that is not healthy. That is that's crazy. So the way that the Italians view food, like Americans uh in the diet space, like I hear a lot of like the, you know, Jimmy the trainer, as my friend Kathy calls him, food is fuel. You know, no, food is actually beautiful. It's an art, it's it's incredible. Like we just went to Massimo Batura's restaurant in Rob's Work Hard Play Hard event. And we had nine courses of artistic, delicious, incredible food. Like that's an art. That's something to be enjoyed. Food is community. It's where we have connection and conversation. It's not just fuel and we have to stop looking at it as that. And so what Rob is pointing out is the CGM started shifting our mindset and we were scanning our our sensor every 15 minutes to see what happened. And that was determining what we were going to eat or what we weren't going to eat. And then having
0: a reaction to the reaction.
1: And then being mad about it. And then when you're mad and stressed about it, that spikes your cortisol. And guess what happens when your cortisol spikes? Your glucose spikes. So it's a fucking, (laughs) it's a circle of crazy.
0: So in one sense, we may sound like we're talking out of both sides of our mouth. Because we are. (laughs) In another sense, what we're trying to explain is that there are many, many factors that go into these things. And all of them, whether you're wearing the whoop or you're wearing the CGM, they're gonna provide data points. For you, but they're not be all and end all. We're we're not. We are way more complicated as human beings um, than these devices that are measuring one data points right. or ten, you know, five data points, right. whatever. And, it is. and
1: if you've never worn a wearable or anything like that, think about the scale. People obsess over the number on the scale. It is literally a number of gravity, and you can obsess over it and get crazy about it or you can use it as one reference point of data. And so the CGM, if you do it, I say one to two weeks, test it out, get some data and then move on because getting obsessive over things uh, is is not gonna help your longevity. It's not gonna help your stress. It's not gonna help your health. And the thing that I learned from this little experiment is that olive oil <laughs> does a body good. So that's it.
0: There you go, ladies and gentlemen. That's it. Have a great week, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. All right, thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game...